use this Lord's table this morning for practice. All right? You're in a practice mode? How about that? I don't think the Lord will be bothered because we're going to improve our remembrance of him. So it's always hard to have a large congregation like this, uh, but still, let's try. I would like to suggest that uh, this whole period of time, including the worship of the Father, has to be restricted to 30 minutes because of our schedule. So um, time is of the essence, so there should be no wasting of time. A few points. Uh, For the Lord's table, we will sing only one hymn, number 86. Now, don't turn to it yet. Let me finish first. And then for the worship of the Father, we will sing number 51. 51. Okay. So now... um, This morning, in this practice, the song is already chosen, so you don't need to worry about that. What you need to worry about is, number one, exercise your spirit. Whether you're praying, you're not praying, you must exercise the spirit to join the meeting spirit, to be in the spirit to worship God, who is spirit. So no one should be wandering, thinking about this and that. Forget the whole world. Forget everything. We're here to remember him. And we're here to worship the Father. Nothing matters right now for the next 30 minutes but that. All right? So losing sight of all but him. So second thing is we should try to... Um, uh, stand against our uh, usual kind of a tendency. After we sing a song, immediately we would uh, say, a, somebody would say, a, repeat a few, uh, a line here. That's a kind of custom. Um, I like to hear this, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I like to hear this morning some uh, spontaneous inspired praise from your mouth using the words in the hymn, digging into that hymn, but using your own utterance, not just repeat and read a line and you're done with your worship. Uh, That is a cop-out and that is a low-grade worship. Sorry, okay? Um, Now, it's hard for all of us, even in the back, to be able to do something, but in the old days, we have brothers or even sisters that are in the back. They will stand up to praise the Lord briefly so that we can all hear them. We did that. So uh, um, don't take the easy way. Uh, take the hard way. And by learning the hard way, eventually we will improve. We will go upwards. And in the message today, and then finishing the outline last night, we're going to get into a lot of these matters. Uh, Number three, in the singing of these hymns and your praise, enter into the feeling. There's a feeling in this hymn, and there is a feeling in the spirit this morning that is particular to this day. 
So you have to be very exercised and very sensitive to that to join that feeling and that sentiment. Okay? This hymn is a, a good hymn. We sing it a lot, number 86. And there are plenty of material and content for us to what? To sound our praise. Amen? Amen? So we will spend about uh, uh, 15, 20 minutes in the remembrance of the Lord. Uh, should the Lord lead us, we can sing my little song, if the Lord so lead. Um, if not, that's okay. Then we worship the Father with number uh, uh, 51. And we must conclude by uh, in 30 minutes. If we're all so exercised back to back, no silence, no gap, one following another. In other words, we're here to play ball. There's only one ball. We pass the ball around. Uh, in 30 minutes, it's a, quite a bit of time. Okay? And, and after we finish, when I come up to give my message, the first thing I will do is to critique this practice. Okay. How about we sing number 86? Well, time for a critique. Amen. Well, I say that is a very good Lord's table. Um, better than usual. Um, uh, I'm going to be here and there in my um, um, in my comments, so it's not. Um, I have not gathered my thoughts. Uh, but uh, you see, brothers and sisters, uh, first of all, uh, I must emphasize that uh, all our practices in the Lord's recovery must be based on revelation. You see, without revelation, the only thing we can resort to, uh, or things that we can resort to, are one, tradition. You just do things by tradition, historical tradition, where most of the Christians are. Just traditionally you do this, and so it uh, becomes a form, it becomes a ritual, that you just go through in a roadway. Week after week, time at a time, it becomes something dead, it becomes something entirely meaningless. Or, if we don't go by that kind of religious tradition, we go by our natural concept. So you would have some kind of funny concept, you may have your kind of background, and according to those concepts, you do something. And that is natural. That is just something from the human source. And that is not how we should base any of our church practices. Our practices must be based on revelation. I do not even just say the word, the scripture. Of course, it must be scripture-based. But you can base your practice on scripture also in a dead way.
also in a legal way or in a dogmatic way. We must do things according to revelation. So let's take the Lord's table with the remembrance of the Lord Jesus and with the worship of the Father, for instance. You see, I hope after this weekend, we have gained a little bit more of a revelation concerning this highest and most central practice of our church life today. This time of, indeed, Holy Communion, and I don't use that as a kind of a, in that Christianity sense, but in the true sense of the word. Um, a time of sweet and the deepest communion between God's people and God himself in an atmosphere of love. And so uh, for this, we must have a revelation concerning why this remembrance. What is the significance of this remembrance? Um, what do we, what should be our, what is the uh, point of this remembrance? What is the hope of this remembrance? And even the more, who are we remembering? Who is this one? You see, if you have no revelation of who Christ is, you, you cannot have a proper practice of remembering this Christ because you don't even know who he is. You have no idea. So Paul says what he says, it pleased God to reveal his son in me. Only when the son is revealed in you would there be the proper praise to the son according to that revelation. Paul actually said, after I received that revelation, I did not go to Jerusalem. I did, he said, I did not receive this from the teachings of man, even from the first apostles in Jerusalem. I received this directly from God the Father. In a true sense, we all need, brothers and sisters, such a revelation. You also need a revelation of what the Lord really did. Not only outwardly what he did, but the significances of what he did. And even more, according to the song this morning, we have to have a revelation concerning his living, his living on the earth, that meal offering. How did he live? You see, even all these offerings is really what I'm talking about. The Lord as the burn offering, the Lord as the meal offering. The burn offering meaning the one who came to do the will of God in an absolute way. The meal offering means, refers to his absolutely perfect and upright and pure, fine humanity, the real God-man, right? And then to know him as the, to have the revelation of him as the trespass offering, the one who deals with our sin, uh, even our inward sin, our sinful nature, and the the, the uh, sin offering as the one who bore our sins up onto the tree, onto the cross. And finally, the one who is the peace offering, the one who brought man and God together in a condition of peace, reconciled to one another. 
and so on and so forth. I'm just using Leviticus to mention the revelation that we need. The more revelation we have, the higher our remembrance, the deeper our remembrance. And our meetings will be filled with substance, with content, because our praise is not just something natural, something just, you know, today they even just read a prayer book and responsive reading. I say something, you say amen, you say something, I say amen. Just reading a script with no revelation. But when you're so filled, and you're not only seeing this revelation, let's say further, furthermore, you enjoy this revelation. You enjoy what you see, this Christ, and this Christ becomes, owned, becomes something owned by you in your subjective daily experience. All these offerings become your enjoyment and your experience day by day. Then when you come to a time like this, dear brothers and sisters, no one can shut you up. We have to shut people up because everyone is just absolutely overflowing. Overflowing. We don't need any priest, we don't need any father, we don't need anybody. We all are the priests, full of Christ. Our hands are filled with these offerings, am I right? And we just came and offer it to him, offer it to God. This is the standard church life. And we have degraded from that, we have fallen from that. We need a recovery, brothers and sisters. And you all have to be a part of that recovery. May the Lord recover this kind of church life. So I want to just say that first. We need this. Our practice is based on our revelation. Then I would say a very important thing. Our practice is entirely what? According to the spirit. We may have the revelation. We may have the knowledge. We may have the truth. We may have even some experience, but whenever we come together, we don't come together according to a set program. We don't come together according to a set format. We come together, what? To be in the Spirit. Each time, each time when we come together, we must serve in the newness of Spirit. So forget even last week's good meeting. Do you follow me? Forget everything. At this moment, the Spirit is new. And He's leading us in a new way. He is going to inspire us in a new way. So, as the New Testament worshipers, we have to be in spirit. In spirit. Worshiping Him. Now, this is a big thing. Now, let me just critique a little bit now this morning. This morning, the praise are quite good, quite solid, quite improved. But I feel in the congregation this morning, our spirit is still not that strong. There is a general decline in the intensity of the exercise of the spirit in the Lord's recovery. And you can sense it. Now, that means when we're singing, we have to sing with the Spirit. Don't just sing with your mind or with your good voice. You may have a great soprano voice or 
tenor voice or whatever. No, the main thing is to sing with your spirit and from your spirit, with the exercise of that spirit. This is very important, very important. And not only so, but when someone is praying, you are not praying, that person is praying, we all have to learn to say the amen. You know, that's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, that's why Paul was not for the speaking in tongues in a public setting. Privately, it's okay. Publicly, he said, when you speak in tongues, we don't know what you're saying. And without interpretation, it, is, it is, doesn't benefit the mind. But if you say something that is understandable, it benefits our mind so that we can say the amen. So even when you sing, you have to sing with your mind. And I don't mean with your mind. It's with your spirit, but with the full involvement of your mind. You see? That means really our whole being. Correct? So when, uh, 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 when someone, when some activity is in the meeting, someone is uh, praising or someone is offering a prayer or whatever, all of us should say the amen. amen. You know, amen is the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. He is that witness, am I right? In Revelation, the one who is called the amen. amen. So when you say amen, you're calling on the name of the Lord. Dear saints, even today, I feel our amen it has become weak. We need to all learn to practice to say amen. 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 When you are like this, I tell you, that will strengthen the one who's praying. Amen. It will just, just uplift him. It will even, like, uh, like uh, her and, and, and Aaron, raising Moses' arms up on the mountain. Do you follow me? Amen. See, if I'm speaking here and none of you say amen, I feel my arms are kind of drooping. But when I speak here and you all say amen, whoa, my hands are like this. Don't love your throat. Just go get some Vicks. You'll be okay. <laughs> in the early days in Eldon, we lived on Vicks. Our throat is constantly hoarse from constant praising and exercising. Amen. See, but my voice is still here. I never lose it. So don't worry. Don't love your, your throat so much. Love the Lord more than your throat. Amen. Say amen to him. I'm talking about intensity, not even just decibel level. But the decibel level is a reflection of the intensity of our spirit. We've lost that intensity in the recovery. How I want to see it return and then some. Amen? Amen. Don't say, oh, he's praying. Well, let, let him go. I'm waiting for my turn. Don't do that. His prayer is your prayer. Any saint who's praying here, they are representing the body to pray for all of us. Amen. When we say amen, we mean what? What does that mean? Huh? So be it. I agree. I join into that. I'm one with that prayer. So I say a strong amen. Let's say three amens together with intensity. Amen. 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 
Amen. You say that will scare people away. No, no, I don't think it will scare people away. We need to restore the intensity of the use of our spirit. Brothers and sisters, many of us have lost even that habit. When you come to the meeting, you just come and sit. You don't come and exercise. And when you exercise, you don't exercise with that level of intensity. Now, the third thing I would like to say at these kinds of moments, not only we should exercise our spirit, I would say we should exercise our heart. Those are two different organs, slightly different organs. There's an overlap, but our heart must be involved. That means what? I come back to last night. The feeling, the sentiment, the emotions. I also find that to be lacking oftentimes in our midst. We even may have certain level of exercise of the spirit, but it's kind of what? Without feeling. It's kind of like militaristic. You know what I mean? It's kind of martial-like. But no feeling. No feeling. So the songs we sing, especially in hymning, especially in singing, it calls for not just the singing, the exercise of the spirit. Every song, well sung and even well received must be sung with certain kind of feeling that fits that song and also that fits the atmosphere in that particular juncture in, in, in a gathering. So today, this morning, uh, the first song we sing, number uh, 86, am I right? That is a song full of feeling, much feeling, as we, as we survey again the Lord's life on the earth. Am I right? About him becoming a man, a man um, uh, with no beauty, a man who is like root out of a dry ground, a a man who has no handsomeness without, but but all beauteous within. Am I right? His obedience to the Father, his tenderness, his sweetness, recall how he was with the sinful woman. Recall how he was with the disciples and how one even reclined on his breast. Remember his gentleness. All of this. And eventually, of course, leading to his being exalted by the Father. As you survey these things, there's a lot of tenderness there. There's a lot of sweetness there. We have to get into the feeling of a song in a hurry. Don't you even just... We should not even just sing just to sing because it's good notes, it's good melody. The right melody really helps. But no, we have to, through the words, the lyrics, enter into the feeling, the spirit of the writer. And I tell you, number 86, whoever wrote it, it is a wonderful, wonderful song in this respect concerning Christ as the real meal offering, meaning his humanity. His humanity. When you touch the Lord's humanity, it is just lovely. Remember, right? You have to enter into that. Then, together we sing that song, we can offer the right kind of praise with the right kind of feeling. Even when you sing it, dear saints, sing it with the Spirit, but 
Sing it with revelation, sing it with the spirit, and sing it from your heart. From your heart, right? Uh, who, who, who is that uh, figure in this uh, 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 Wizard of Oz? There's no heart in there, you know? Do you open this? There's no heart in there. Sometimes I, I, I have a feeling if I open you up, I don't find a heart there. Or God doesn't find a heart there. He said, your lips are here, but where is your heart? I want your heart. Where your treasure is, there's your heart should be there also. Am I your treasure? And then where is your heart? You, didn't, you forgot to bring your heart to this meeting. You left it, I don't know on what. Dear saints, dear saints, I, th I hope this, this is of help to all of us. I like to see a change, even a revolution in our meetings, starting, starting with the Lord's table. All right, well, this morning, critique, right? I critiqued some already, and that is still the shortage of spirit and still the shortage of heart. But let's just improve. Let's us improve. Sisters, I know you're nice sisters, you know, you're, you're well-behaved, you're, you're this and that. But when it comes to the Lord, I tell you in the New Testament, the sisters oftentimes took the lead to love the Lord. I like to see more sisters so engaged and so much in, in love with the Lord, like Mary the Magdalene, the first one in that resurrection morning to the tomb. And even after the brothers came and saw empty tomb, they, they said, we got it, and left. He stayed on. And because of staying on, the Lord appeared to her. The first human being that the resurrected Christ appeared to before his ascension to the Father for the Father's enjoyment was a woman, married Magdalene. Sisters, how much you should take the lead in this regard to love the Lord and cause the Lord to draw, break the rules and even draw near to us. Dear sisters, do you know our love can cause him to do something, to, for the Lord to do something unusual? But your heart must be here. Your heart must be here. Let your love be poured out. Let the alabaster box be broken every Lord's day. And let the fragrance fill the house. Dear saints, we need that atmosphere of love. And for that, our heart must be exercised. And I even see sometimes the brothers, like these ones sitting in the front, too gentlemanly. Way too gentlemanly. You think the Lord likes, the Lord loves gentlemen? I like to see sometimes these gentlemen becomes uncontrollable. I mean, not that they flipped out, I don't mean that. But uncontrollable in the sense of their emotions, 
poured out to the Lord. You think the Lord would, would, would rebuke us if we get emotional with Him? Now, I'm not talking about being soulish. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you are so overcome with the Lord's presence. You just beside yourself. You become a person beside yourself. There is a Christian who have never been beside himself before the Lord is not a standard Christian. Have you been beside yourself in the Lord's presence? David once was, he was jumping, uh, not jumping, he was dancing in front of the ark. It was so bad that his wife just sneered, you know, the king is, what? The king is dancing before the ark. Whoa, you know, the moment he, he said this, her womb was shut. God loves a dancing king. <laughs> but you think David was making a show, a performance, doing a dance? You, you, you think that's what's happening? No, he was beside himself just exalting the Lord. He lost control. He, all he cares for is the Lord, not even the citizens. That's what I'm talking about. We need a recovery. The recovery somewhat has become a little bit heartless. It's the heart, the truthfulness, the sincerity that a New Testament worshiper should have. May that be recovered. Amen? Amen? That's why I said, when was the last time at the Lord's table I saw tears? I don't remember when. Even my own tears. Now, concerning the praise just now, I felt, because mostly the brothers in the front, they're a little bit more exercised and so on. It's okay. That was, this is a big meeting. So I feel their praise uh, uh, today was, was good. They follow one another. Uh, I took the lead to stand up. It doesn't mean you all have to stand up. It's just that this larger congregation, it helps for the projection of the voice. Um, and by the way, dear saints, when you speak or praise or sing, you don't do it for your own hearing. You do it for the Lord to hear. You say the Lord is deaf. It's not about the Lord being deaf. Okay? But he wants to hear your voice. Make a joyful noise. Amen. If he is, you know, he wants to hear it. Right? But we also need to take care of the saints' ears. So when we, we need to learn to project our voice, be loud, right? To take care of everyone. So that we all can say the amen. So, uh, then the brothers praised, and, and I feel the, uh, the, uh, they were all mostly in the flow of the, the hymn, uh, using the hymn as a point of inspiration and also to pass on the ball, so to speak. In other words, meaning to build on the praises, okay? If you pray this, I pray that, you pray that, after a while, it's all scattered prayer. In this kind of meeting, we should have only one prayer, Pray by many members 
one building on the other. The same thing with praise. Learn not to start. Someone start. Not everyone need to start. Everyone needs to build on what has been started. We build and build and build until we hit a crescendo. Until we hit the peak. That's the time we should break the bread. Typically. Uh, this morning, I would like to single out, especially um, um, Brother Lewis's prayer. I hope that he wouldn't mind. This morning, he was quite filled, <clears throat> and he prayed a very strong prayer using Philippians two. If you notice, am I right? Philippians two about the Lord's humbling Himself, the one who was who didn't take his equality with God something to grasp upon. Am I right? But what? But humble himself, taking the form uh, um, uh, uh, of a slave, having the fashion of a man, right? On and on, you know, the seven steps of Christ humbling himself, the mind of Christ. And then with that, using that and mingling that with this hymn we, we sang, somewhat that hymn has that in mind, um, that, that passage in mind, and then coming to the point where there is a turn, wherefore God has highly exalted such a humble one who died the death of a malefactor, of a criminal on the cross for our sins, obviously, for redemption. And then God would highly exalt such a one that at his... Um, 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 that all the knees should bow, am I right? And all the tongues confess Jesus Christ as Lord, etc., etc. So using that, I tell you, that kind of a giving even the scripture, giving the revelation, with the help of the feeling of the song, to uplift our whole situation. Don't you feel after that prayer, our whole, the spirit of this whole meeting was uplifted? I, do you agree with me? Amen. Now, there will be a lot in this morning's outline concerning these finer points that we need to all learn and pick up. Um, today, this morning, we did not have the time. So I feel this morning's the building is a little bit lacking. That could have been built upon even more. But we were running out of time. That's okay. But I hope you can see how even one prayer can uplift a meeting. One adequate and appropriate praise can even make a meeting, can direct a meeting. And you, we, you and I don't need to be original. We all need just to what? Build on that, that, that prayer until this wave would crest, until we reach the peak. And when we reach the peak of this kind of praise, I tell you, do you not feel your spirit is so satisfied? That is because the Lord is satisfied within us. And then the Father song, I think uh, uh, today that the, uh, the uh, uh, that song is a good song. Uh, actually, I, I called the wrong one. I said 51. Actually, it should be number 50. To me, I like 50 even more than 52. But those three songs are all in that, the, 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 the best songs uh, that would um, 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 reflect 
the reality of Hebrews 2. You know, the, the son declaring the father's name to us and leading us uh, in praise to the father. This is how, where, the, uh, where these, sims, uh, these songs are based. So um, I felt to, uh, the, uh, this, this morning, just the singing of that hymn brought us to that point. And sometimes it's even not just a praise, but the singing. Now I'd like to say something here, that this is why we don't need many songs. It becomes a sing-along to fill in the lack of spirit and the lack of heart. So we need songs. Those songs become not meaningful. In fact, they become what would you say? Uh, doctrine. <laughs> not doctrine. Uh, a crutch. It becomes a crutch uh, to get you going. No, these hymns must not be a crutch or space fillers or time fillers. The songs, each one that is called, must be meaningful, must be, must be fully enjoyed uh, in, in our praise. You see, when we sing, the Father is enjoying that song. In fact, the Father is enjoying our praise, and through that, the Father is enjoying the Son singing in our singing. And you may even say, through that, the, the Father is enjoying his many, many children, including us. That's how it happens. And so when the Father is in that enjoyment, our spirit senses that joy and enjoyment. It is the Father's enjoyment. The Father's delight becoming ours. At that same time, this all-inclusive Christ become the center of the enjoyment of this universe of both God and man. Do you see this, saints? You see, you, we, we have to enter into these details. We have to become learned ones to know how to worship the Father. So, sometimes with one song, like today, uh, at a certain point, some brothers, they just pick one verse that they are touched with and they just sing it. Am I right? And some of us follow with that. So one song can be sung in myriads of ways. One song can be broken up and sung at different times. I tell you, one song is plenty if we're so exercised in one meeting. So they are no longer crutches. They're no longer time fillers. They are all meaningful. The Lord didn't sing nine hymns after the table, did he? Huh? He just say he sang a hymn and they went to the Mount of Olives. A hymn. Just one hymn. 
So learn to exercise in the aforementioned ways with the help of these hymns in these meetings. I felt today that that time of 30 minutes flew by very quickly because we're all in it. No one, I hope, was looking at your watch. There's no clock here, thank God. (laughs) We lose sight and we lose sense of time. We truly, in spirit, are in eternity. Now, I'd like to say something more here. And that is, we need to with even all that I just talked about, learn to worship and praise in a finer way, in a more exquisite way, in a more cultured way. I'll put it in other words, our praise and our worship and remembrance of the Lord are too rough, too rough. To course. It's like you go to, you know, these hamburger joints and you ask for triple something. You know, it's stacked like this, right? And, and with everything on it, right? And, and you don't even know how to eat this thing. No forks, no knives. You just have to kind of grab this thing in, the, in some paper and, and chomp on it. And, 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 the, and the ketchup starts flying here and the mustard's flying there. You're all over with this thing and you just kind of eat like that. That's what I mean by rough worship. Well, you, get, you still ate something, right? You, you still ate something. But if I'm there at a feast with you and I'm the host and I would say, ooh, you know, this guy's not cultured. Uh, in fact, he brought the wrong kind of food, a hamburger, right? Dear saints, I don't think the Lord was rough. The Lord Jesus. Study his life in the Gospels. There was even a time when he got mad. He got indignant at, the, at the, uh, uh, those who, uh, uh, who made God's house a house of merchandise, you know? The money changers, all that. He got mad. He whipped. I mean, he, he was just cleansing the temple. I tell you, I believe even when he was there with indignation and wrath, you may say, He was full of dignity. He wasn't just kind of got crazy and no. I believe even when he was doing that, he was doing that with much dignity. Something to esteem. His whole humanity of the Lord. And when the Lord praised the Father, he didn't just kind of like that. He said, Father, I thank you. You have not revealed this to uh, what? The wise, but to the babes. I mean, the Lord is refined. And I'm not talking about being refined like we all need to be these cultured, super culture people. 
I, I don't mean that. But there is a level of refinement, of dignity, of, of propriety, um, of fineness, even in our worship. If you're rough, your praise would be rough. Even your words would be rough. But if you are refined in that sense, your wording, your vocabulary, your thoughts will all be very, very what? Very, not just living, but very, very fine. I think that is a good word. Very fine. Uh, I don't mean you have perfect grammar. I don't mean, you know, I don't mean that. I think you know what I mean. That fineness requires a level of sensitivity. You need to what? Sense the Lord within your spirit by the anointing. You need to learn to sense that. Right? You need to also sense the spirit that is in the meeting. Then you also need to look to the Lord for some utterance some spirit-inspired expressions to what? To release the praise or the sensation that is in your heart. You know, just read the Psalms. Read the Psalms. It is full of particular utterances, very inspired to speak for something divine, right? Something prophetic, something high, uh, with, you know, with all kinds of situations, but they are poetic. And poetic means something not rough, something, something fine. So, saints, learn that. I would even say young people. Young people don't say, I'm young, I don't know this. No, learn this. I tried to learn this when I was very young. And let me tell you, it took many years to learn and to improve and I told some full-timers yesterday, don't, uh, when you read some of the ministry uh, messages, in front there's always a prayer. You know, Brother Lee or Brother Nee, you know, there's a prayer there. I said, don't skip it. Don't just skip the prayer and go to the message. Read the prayer. You, by reading that prayer, you will learn how to pray. I learned to pray a lot by hearing Brother Lee pray and reading his prayer. And that cultured me. You, you understand? That adds the praying culture into me. That trained me how to pray. I was one to once told, or no, it's in, in Brother Lee's biography of Brother Nee, uh, according to a testimony of one of the, uh, the brothers, I, I forgot who, uh, might have been... Um, his brother-in-law, Samuel Chang, or something. I don't remember. It's in that book, The Seer of the Divine Revelation, that says, when Brother Ni, nee, nee, this is Watchman Ni, nee, prayed, Brother Ni nee prayed very slowly. Very slowly. And not just to be slow. He prayed slowly, word by word, because every word was sensing his spirit. Now, back to that prayer in 1930 eight or nine in Keswick Convention. 
Actually, that was a very short prayer. That prayer was so remembered, it is even in the annals, in the publication, old publication of the Keswick people. You can find it today. No one remember. you know, the story was like this. He went there because T. Austin Sparks invited him to go there and brought him to this famous place. And there they, you know, he was by then a famous, you know, Chinese preacher. And so the moderator or whoever in that meeting realized that Watchman Nee was in their midst. So at the end of the meeting, he asked him and a Japanese brother who was also visiting from Japan. Very interesting. That was, that by that time, the Sino-Japanese War has already broken out. It started in 1937, and this is 1939, and that actually was the time at the eve of World War II, with Nazi Germany invading Poland. So the whole world at that time was in a stage of a huge, huge world war. And here they were. And so the man up, up there, or the brother, invited Mr. Ni and whoever this other Japanese brother to come and close with the closing prayers. And Brother Ni was surprised, and he asked uh, his, uh, his host what he should do, that is, Brother Sparks. Brother Sparks said, go, encourage him to go and pray. And he stood up and prayed, and the Japanese brother prayed. And that prayer concerns Japan and China. Have you read that prayer? It is about China and Japan, Everybody knew by that time what was going on. And famously in part of the prayer he say, Lord, we are not praying for China. We are not praying for Japan. We're praying for your will to be done. I mean, a brief prayer, a short prayer, it was memorable. My point, brothers and sisters, is that this man, this man, Brother Ni, and also that Japanese brother prayed as well. Uh, this man, Brother Ni, he does not just pray and just, just kind of words will of his tongue. No, I tell you, he touched his spirit and he senses the burden and the Lord gave him the present guidance and even gives him the utterance. I don't think he prayed in a quick way, but he prayed in a very, very deliberate manner. Dear brothers and sisters, not that we all should be watchmen, but we all should learn. Okay? Practice. Practice. Even in your daily life, practice. Some brothers, two or three come together. Practice to pray in this way. We all pray either in a natural way, you know, whatever comes to our head, or pray in a mental way. Oh, no, I got the point, you know. Especially some FTTA grad brothers, they're all good prayers according to points from Genesis to Revelation in one prayer. <laughs> mental, mental. Learn to pray 
the Spirit-led prayer. As many as who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Learn to sense the anointing and learn to use the Spirit-inspired utterance to offer a prayer. This is, you know, this is a whole matter, whole matter there about even the Lord, the heavenly intercessor. This is in Romans 8. He, only he knows the mind of the spirit that is within us. And so he can what help us in our weakness when we don't know what to pray for as we ought with groanings that cannot be uttered. Dear saints, even in the groanings, groanings are not rough, let me tell you. When you're with the Lord, so much with the Lord, those groanings are full of burden, full of prayer in it. Even you may not understand it, but the, the, the intercessor knows the mind of the Spirit and would pray in our prayer even by means of some groanings. So learn this and practice this in your daily life and then our meeting life will be different. By the way, I would like to say one more point, and that is that we absolutely are here for the corporate testimony of God, right? For the body, for the church, absolutely, totally. But this church is as strong as the individual members are strong. You cannot expect your local church to be strong when the members individually are weak. If each member have such a life with the Lord, if each member, each saint, would know how to pray and contact the Lord, if each one knows to follow the anointing, when we come together, that collective strength and power and testimony will be demonstrated. So when our cor corporate testimony is weak, it is a sign that our personal life is short. Our personal prayer life is short. Or our personal praise life or our personal singing life is weak. And so when we come together, the display is weak. I really um, adjure all of, all of us, right, that you would go back even personally in your times with the Lord, that it would be full of worship, full of this kind of prayer, and full of this kind of praise and thanksgiving. Yourself, just yourself. And then when we come together, there would be the spontaneous display. Okay, I hope some of these things are helpful. And I expect there would be what? There would be a difference made in the mid-Atlantic. Don't say it's too hard. Don't, don't, don't say that, okay? It's not too hard. If you love the Lord, you will do this. Don't you love him? Don't you want him to be happy and be satisfied by our praise he is enthroned upon the praise of his saints. <clears throat> that means, listen, 
our praise even has something to do with his administration. The throne, his administration. While the whole earth forsake him, curse him, there's a group of people here intensely praising him. What a, what a counter testimony. And that is the church. Okay, I'm going to finish quickly uh, uh, where I stopped yesterday. And that is in number 7, uh, Romans 7, in uh, last night, uh, lesson 3. Uh, let's read that. We also need to learn. Do you have it? You know, pull out. I hope you did. It's not in the trash, okay? Uh, after the meeting, you just trash the, the outline. Um, actually, with each outline, they are ministry excerpts, and we didn't print that. Uh, I hope the brothers can print it, or the churches can get it, so that the saints can go back and digest it. Many things of the things I said are from these excerpts that supports these outlines uh, from the ministry. Okay, let's read. We also need to learn how to apply the hymns at the appropriate time. At the right time, call the right hymn. Just like at the right time in a banquet, you serve that food. It's salad first. Uh, or rather, it's what appetizer, right? And then salad or something. And then soup, right? And then the main course. And then the second main course. Or something like that and then dessert, and then tea, and then soup to nuts, huh? There's a time for each thing. And you have to realize the right time for the right hymn. Appropriateness is needed. Okay, A, let me just read it through. Certain hymns are good for certain times in the meeting, so we need to know the hymns first and apply them at the proper time. So firstly... Who took the challenge? 50 hymns this year. One a week. Uh, not many takers. That means you all know the hymn, right? You all know the 50 hymns, 100 hymns? Then, then why are you not doing it? Huh? One hymn a week is a joyous assignment. Isn't it? I'm, I'm not telling you uh, to do penance for one week, for 50 weeks. I'm telling you to sing one hymn a week and getting into it, finding its focus, enjoying it, and then move on to the next hymn, like our brother Bob Little. All right? So, but knowing the hymns should help you to call the right hymns at, and apply them at the right time. You can have a great hymn, you know it, but you call it absolutely at the wrong time. And you will kill the meeting. A good hymn can kill the meeting. Because that hymn is popular, doesn't mean that it is right for the moment. Don't call hymns because they're popular. Don't call hymns because you like it. Don't even call hymns because this morning you enjoyed it. Call the hymn that is right for the atmosphere and the spirit at that moment. This calls for some practice. Certain hymns may be good to start a certain section of the meeting. 
After a section of the meeting has been started, we may need another hymn to strengthen and enrich the starting started section. Also, a hymn may be needed to prolong and uplift the same section. So, but still, I would, I would suggest that we don't sing that many hymns. You just need one hymn and maybe one, another one to uplift it, maybe at the most a third one at the remembrance of the Lord's section to prolong that spirit or that, that, that height of worship or praise. Uh, that's good enough. So remember, songs are not something in themselves. They are, uh, uh, they are but they're what we sing. They are our praise. Um, they give content to our praise. But they are used to strengthen and enrich and prolong and uplift our entire worship. Okay, see, one person starts and all the others have to continue to strengthen and enrich what has been started. Teamwork is involved here. Learn to play ball. Learn to play one ball. Learn to pass the ball. We don't care who hits the shot. It doesn't matter as long as the team wins, right? So most of the time, you don't, you, don't, you don't shoot. Most of the time, you pass. And some of the, the elite teams are full of the best, not just shooters, but the best, what? Passers. And all contribute to the game. Now, the, this is a, not a very good illustration, but it's very apt, very apt, that in the meeting we are all dressed for the game, right? We're here to worship. And we need to learn to pass the ball. The ball is the spirit. The spirit of that meeting. Okay? So don't be original. Everyone is playing. You're dribbling another ball at the corner. <laughs> I'm the coach. I say, out! Okay? Don't do that. Everyone is in the game. Even when you don't have the ball, your eyes are on that ball. You're supporting it, doing everything to strengthen it. Okay, um, D, to apply the hymns at the appropriate time, we need to follow the atmosphere of the meeting. Calling a proper hymn at the proper time depends upon how much we can sense the atmosphere of the meeting. So it takes those who can sense the meeting. Some of the more mature saints, you have to take more lead in this regard. And the young ones can pick up and learn from our, uh, uh, from our doings. Okay, number eight, let's read. We need to learn the practice of speaking the hymns. So speaking the hymns in, the, in, a, in a Lord's Table setting, uh, I would say is not just regurgitating or, or just repeating in, in, a, in, a, in a road way, uh, a line or a stanza and sit down. That's, that's easy. That's a bit of a cop-out. I don't condemn that because some new ones, they don't know what else to do. They do that. That's fine. But if you are here for a long time and you still are just doing that to, to fill the time, uh, I, I would say that is, that is not right. Then you say, well, if you don't repeat the hymns, what should we do? I'll tell you, you pray with the thoughts of the hymn. Inspire by the thoughts and feeling of that hymn, you turn it and use your own utterance to express 
what is within, with the help of the content of the hymn. So not in a rote way, not in a robotic way. Okay, take the words of the hymn as your own words and speak them forth. Speak means your own utterances, not just verbatim recitation. Okay, B, function as a player on the same team, playing with one ball, the hymn uh, being spoken, keep a good continuation, speak so that others can catch the ball, speak in a conversational manner without formality. I like this. Learn to pray, not in a, you know, in in a formal, what do you call it, benediction. Am I right? You know, when... When a priest has to do a benediction, his voice changes. He becomes theatrical. You follow me? They, they, it sounds str- kind of strange, all right? Be- because he's doing this public thing. Uh, it is better, especially in smaller gatherings, to be more conversational in our prayer. It's like a dialogue with the Lord, right? Um, very personal and very, very intimate. Okay, look at each other when you speak. Do not concentrate on your hymn book. Well, I don't know about, I'm not saying I look at you like this, right? Uh, but it means this. Too many of us are like this. Or worse yet, the device. You know, there was a, uh, a new one who came to a church in Southern California. And he was looking around. There's a blue glow on the face of every saint. <laughs> That's the Lord's table. She said, this is weird. You know? If I'm a new one and I come to our miss, I would say this is weird. I'm not against electronics, they, they help us. But if the Lord is here, he will see blue glows. How would the Lord feel? The Lord would say, hello, I'm here. Would you remove that, that thing for a moment, please? I'm here. I'm the Lord. Hello, Jesus is here. You see, we, we have, these are all habits, bad habits, you know. Why don't you look at the congregation? Why don't you be, sing like this? You know, the, it says the Lord look up into heaven, you know, with the five loaves and two fish. He says he looked up into the heaven and he blessed the bread. He didn't look at the bread, you know. <laughs> you see, habits. We, we all have to drop some bad habits in the church life. You know, I pick it up from you, you pick it from me. Let's all junk those bad habits, I almost like to suggest don't sing with your device. Or if you do, just put it here and do this, right? 
And even those of us who sing this, don't do this. Just sing to the Lord. Sing to one another. We should sing to one another. And that's okay. Not this kind of very, very strange and peculiar situation. All right. Okay, that's good enough. All right. Uh, Look at each other when you speak. Do not concentrate on your hymn book or your gadget. Practice staying away from routine, deadness, oldness, and tradition. You see, you get too stiff. You get just so, so uptight. You're just so formal. You're just like this. You know, loosen up a little bit, okay? Uh, you know, John reclined on the Lord's breast at that Passover feast. I think it's in John. Because he wrote it, right? He, he talked about himself. So, he, he didn't even say his name. He said the disciple whom the Lord loved. <laughs> That's me, right? <laughs> so, I tell you, they were lean. He, he was, at least he was, leaning on the Lord's breast. It's, it's an entirely informal situation. A lot of our meetings have become way too formal. Now, I don't mean like one, ones we used, to did, we used to do, you know, we're, gonna, we're anti-religion, so some brothers put their legs on the Lord's table. No, no, really. I'm not talking about that. That is impolite. You shouldn't be impolite to the Lord, right? But I do mean not stiff, formal, religious. Yet dignified, solemn, Right? and yet intimate and tender. There can be such a moment. I believe the Lord, first Lord's table, it was like that. Okay, so let's get, get out of all that kind of oldness and deadness and tradition. Okay, number nine, let's read. Although we will speak the spiritual hymns to one another in the meetings of the church, we should still sing the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I can just read it. The New Testament tells us that we should sing. Ooh, hallelujah. Let's sing, right? Be a singing people. The Psalms in the Old Testament tells us to make a joyful noise to the Lord. We should do that. Hallelujah. When you make a joyful noise, you're joyful. You're happy. We may not be an accomplished singer, most of us are not, yet we should still enjoy singing to the Lord. The Lord does not care whether you can carry the tune, whether you are pitch perfect. The Lord cares for that joyful sound from your wonderful spirit and sincere heart. The Lord enjoys the singing of all the saints. He loves that. The Lord does not care for the proper melody, but he likes to hear a joyful noise full of praises to him. Oh, I got this grand grandson. He's three years old now. He got his, got his ukulele, and he just starts strumming on the sofa and singing. Singing something I don't know what he's singing. Oh, this grandpa is so happy. Ooh, I don't know what he's saying, but this is sure, sure enjoyable. <laughs> now, if you do that, I would say, hey, something is wrong. <laughs> you're 30 years old, you're still doing that? 
But I'm talking about the spirit. The spirit. That's why it is out of the mouth of babes that praises are established. Not mental elites. Not intellectual elites. But babes. With simplicity, singleness of heart. They sing to the Lord. Let's sing to him. Disregarding everything. Right? The Lord... Okay. D, when we sing in the spirit and with the spirit, in the spirit and with the spirit and with Christ as the content, this is pleasing to God even though we cannot carry a tune. This kind of singing is sweet to the triune God. Whenever we have some free time at home, we should sing the hymns. Okay? We should sing the hymns until we know them well. In this way, it will be easy for us to sing the hymns in the meetings. So, I'm still going to say, do the 50 hymns this year. One a week. Sisters, you're chopping those green peppers, you know, making your salad, and you're just thinking about your husband, you know. (laughs) Why, Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Why are, you, why are you chopping those things? Sing the song of the week. Amen. Let it roll over your tongue. Amen. I tell you, uh-huh, you won't want to do this to your husband anymore. <laughs> After you sing, your husband comes home, you know, you'll be a, another person. This is the Christian life. Most of our problem was, is that we're depressed all the time. We're in a bad mood all the time. It's not a way to live. In fact, you live shorter life. You want to live long? Be happy. And we have the source of joy. And we have the way to be joyful by singing. Amen. Really? Amen. Really? Singing is an outstanding trait of a Christian. Okay, now, what time is it, Paul? 11.12. We will end this meeting at noon. By the way, the announcement was wrong. You don't have till 5 o'clock. It's a wrong announcement. I was told you have only till 1 o'clock. Check out. But we'll end this meeting at 12. You have plenty of time. Okay. So right now, forget about checkout. Just listen to me, okay? Okay, I'll be very quick. Praising and thanking in the Lord's table meeting. I still don't like the word meeting. Okay? In the Lord's table, at the Lord's table. Okay, one. Please read together. In the Lord's table meeting... We need to remember the Lord by praising and thanking him instead of praying, asking the Lord to do things for us. So I can just read it because we covered this already. The first thing in the meeting of the church is to praise, to offer up a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, especially there in Hebrews 13. 
be in the Lord's table meeting. We should not ask the Lord to do things for us, but we should bless the Lord with well-speaking concerning his person and work. We covered that already. See, the praise is the strength of the church. You want, to, you want to gauge the strength of your church? How much praise is there? Just go attend the Lord's table of that church. You will tell the strength of that church. Two, let's read. Like the singing of hymns, the prayer, praise, and thanksgiving in the table meeting has different sections. Okay, A, just as singing has its steps, Prayer also has its process with many sections. We should remember this principle and practice it diligently so that we may function in the meeting like an experienced basketball team. Now, we're not just talking about calling hymns. The emphasis or focus of this message this morning is on our praise or thanksgiving or prayer at the Lord's table. We should also be practiced in this matter. Okay, three. We must pay attention to the following principles when we pray at a Lord. Okay, A, let me just read. First, you have to remember all these steps. I know right now it's a bit, you know, step one, step two, but eventually all will flow together. First, our prayers must be fitly connected one to another. Don't pray independent prayer. Pray prayers that connect with the prayer before you and opens the way for the prayer after you. Pray connecting prayer. Pray the body prayer. After singing a hymn that was selected according to the spirit of the meeting, we should utter a prayer to follow the hymn. We should not pray in a disconnected way. We should sense the feeling of the meeting by following the spirits moving within us. In a meeting, we should be like those in a relay race in which we may not run outside the lane. We must firmly grasp This principle, with the exception of the beginning prayer, all subsequent prayers, whether it is one prayer or ten prayers, must be connected with each other and closely follow each other. When I go to a Lord's table and I hear prayers like this, I know these saints are more mature. I know these saints are trained. When I go to a meeting, it's like popcorn, you know, he pops one prayer, she pops another prayer, has no connection, no, no joint, uh, 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 nothing joined. I know everyone is just in their own little universe, in themselves. And that meeting will never be satisfactory, all right? Never be full. Learn to pray the one prayer. Second, our prayer should move forward. That means our prayer should not be the same from the beginning to end. Because it is one prayer, that prayer should move. It should go forward. It should advance. Okay? They should not remain in the same place. Immediately after we offer a prayer in relation to a hymn, we must move forward in our spirit. We must not only move further, but move higher. Always aim higher, aim deeper as the meeting goes forward. The first prayer leads to the subject. Hence, the second prayer should climb one step higher, and then another hymn is selected. It should climb even higher. Learn to build the meeting atmosphere by our exercise. Third, as we move forward in the meeting, we must learn to maintain the feeling of the meeting in our prayers and hymns. This simply means we cannot proceed independently. 
as we move forward in a meeting, we must bring the brothers and sisters with us and run with them. This requires a considerable amount of exercise. The brothers and sisters may not be uplifted in their spirit before we pray, but after we pray, the spirit should climb higher and higher. I like to put the burden on certain saints. Brothers and sisters, you've been around. You are more exercised. And you have to bear this burden in the meeting to be those, what, joints of the supply. All right? To supply the right prayer at the right time to build the meeting. Other saints will follow. They will uh, be in your wake, so to speak. Okay? You're the first uh, in the, uh, what, what do you call this? Polite, uh, you know, in these bikes. Peloton or whatever, you know, this long thing. There's always the first one. The first one is the hardest rider because he gets the win. The rest of them are in the wake. Or the first swimmer, you know, you just run, you know, you swim these uh, 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 in open sea swimming or in, in triathlon and all of that. You swim behind the first swimmer. You just basically uh, take advantage of the wake of the waves. All right. So saints, in the same way, we need someone to be the first. And you know, in these, uh, in these uh, uh, long bicycle race, one man cannot maintain for long. And after a while, he has to get back, and another one in, in the same team or whatever will go up there. So there's a bit of a relay there. And we should be a team together. So that, but we do need some to cut the way, some to... Uh, blast off, some to uh, uh, set the tone, some to open the first prayer, or some to uh, call a hymn, or some to lift us to another level, and the congregation will follow. This is the right thing to do, okay? Fourth, as a rule, all our prayers should contain utterances of poetic quality. We should pray with words that bear a poetic character. That means we cannot be rough. For example, the Canaanite woman cried to the Lord Jesus, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. Her prayer has a poetic nature, as evidenced by the utterances, Have mercy on me, and son of David. I, I, I like this. It's a good example. Good example. You say, well, the Lord cares for just poetry? I, I don't think so. I don't think... It's that, but when we speak in a poetic way, it inspires. I read a prose, it doesn't inspire, but I have a poetry, it inspires. So we need to learn. Jacob's blessing of his sons, Moses' blessing of the children of Israel, and the prayer of Samuel's mother, Hannah. Is that the name? Yeah are passages in the Old Testament that are rich in poetic qualities. Even, even uh, uh, Mary, the mother of the Lord, uh, when he met Elizabeth, my, the poetry just came out in a way of praise. This is a woman. This is a, a lady. So sisters, you have no excuse. We all have to learn. The more we're in the spirit, the more, we feel, the more feeling we have, the more a person touches God, the richer his feeling will be, and consequently, the more poetic his utterances will be. One way is to learn from others and read the prayers. 
read the prayers and learn to pray the prayers, the good prayers of others. Uh, this is not too much. This is not too much. Okay, five. <clears throat> oh no, four, right? However, do not think that merely praying poetic is good enough. The more important thing concerning prayer is that it should touch people's spirit. The more poetic our utterances are, the more we can touch the feeling of others. If our prayer is full of poetic utterances, utterance, it is easier for us to touch the spirit and the feeling of the saints. But if we use fancy words merely for the sake of being poetic, it will be ineffective and worthless. You can tell the difference. Some are just eloquence. It's dead. It's theatrical. But some are poetic. It's something originating from the spirit. Uh, that inspires and strengthens our feelings. Fifth, our prayers should not only move forward and upward, they should also bring, in the atmosphere, bring the atmosphere of the meeting to the subject of the meeting. Never do anything that detract from the subject of the meeting or the line of the meeting or the flow of a meeting. Do everything to build that up. For example, the first section of the Lord's Table meeting is for breaking of bread. After a few hymns and prayers, we should bring the meeting toward the breaking the, the, the bread and the cup to the, feeling, to the feeling of breaking the bread. Two, however, some prayers do not turn our feeling to the Lord's table, but rather draw, out, draw our feeling away, further away from it. That's a distracting prayer. Everything should be built up to the point that we break bread. Six, we should avoid formal prayers at the table meeting. Instead, we should use words of revelation and words that convey spiritual facts. We need to have the utterance and revelation when we pray, giving others the feeling that the Lord is right in front of us and that we are gazing at him while speaking of his glory. Okay? Just the Lord is in front of us. You know, when we have the Lord's table, that's why I say don't look at your gadget. Look at the Lord. We are actually face to face with him. He's unseen to the physical eye, but his face, which means his presence, is really here. So we need to use our inner eyes to look at him as if he is right here in front of us, which he is. Finally, to pray in the Lord's Table meeting, we should grasp three principles that will enable us to offer proper prayers. First, there is the initiating prayer, which means that the meeting does not have a particular subject, but we feel something in our spirit and express it with a prayer. For example, we may have an inward spiritual inspiration concerning the Lord's love, and we initiate that prayer. And others will build upon it. Second, there is expressive prayer, which means that all the brothers and sisters have a certain feeling, such as the love of God. However, there's a need for someone to express this feeling with a prayer. This kind of prayer needs expressive utterance in order to speak forth this feeling. <clears throat> 
Third, there's a motivating prayer. If there is an atmosphere of remembering the Lord, but it is time to begin worshiping the Father, we need to be motivated in order to turn the atmosphere to the worship of the Father. So some of the prayers, even this morning by the brothers, fits into some of these categories. Some, a brother may initiate, then another would extrapolate or express or develop and, and even put a seal on that particular subject, right? Strengthen it, it that, that, that burden. And then there's also some who motivates the prayer, you know, here um, um, when the meeting needs to take a turn to the worship of the Father, we pray some kind of prayer that will motivate the saints in that direction. Okay, four. Please read together. When our praise has reached a climax, we should bless the bread and the cup. While the bread and the cup are being passed, if the spirit of the meeting remains very strong with the sense of the Lord in glory, another hymn might give us a feeling of being out of breath. Hence, it is better to offer some steady prayer. Let me tell you one of my stories. I was in Eldon, and we were practicing these things. And in those days, the meetings are very high, very strong. And I was new. I just got in. So we came together. And that meeting did not, that Lord's table did not start with any hymn because the, the, the praising spirit was just strong, the saints come to the meeting, they just start praying and praising. And it was building. Poor me, I have this concept, we need to sing a song. So while this flow was just um, um, undeniable, and even I have a little feeling, I call a song, because I think at the Lord's table, you should need to call a song to start it. So I call the hymn. And after I called the hymn, you know, you know that sound of groaning? <laughs> like, like, man, you did something wrong, okay? Because <laughs> uh, no one rebuked me, no one, uh, uh, you know, say something to me. The saints just forgot me and went on to build the meeting. <laughs> and later on, a brother, after the thing was over, one of the elders stood up and said something without mentioning my name and said, you see, this morning we come. We were already praising in the spirit. That Lord's table, we did not sing until the very end. No hymn. How about that? You see, the spirit is new every time. Then he said, we should not call a hymn to break the flow. <laughs> well, I learned from that. I, I was cr critiqued uh, by a merciful brother, and I learned from that. That it's not some form, even a hymn first, or this first, or that last. In the end, it is the move of the spirit in the body that we have to respect. There may be a meeting where there's, the hymn is, no, is never open once. 
the saints just praise and various choruses may spring forth. A chorus. We need to learn more choruses even without look, opening our hymn book. And that would be a wonderful meeting. It depends. Sometimes calling a hymn, another hymn. That's why it says out of breath. Even we're tired of singing. We're out of breath, but we still have to sing it because someone called it. So we take care of a saying. And we sacrifice all the other saints. That's not right. We should take care of all the saints and not just one. Okay, five, please read. When we worship the Father, we do not need a new beginning. We simply need to make a turn. Although the worship of the Father is another section, it still needs to be linked when the worship of the Father, we need to pay attention to the theme of our remembrance of the Lord. For example, in the first section of the table meeting, if we have been seeing the Lord, it's redemptive love that seeks and brings us back, we should turn to the worship of the Father with this feeling. In such a feeling, we can worship God the Father for sending the Lord Jesus to the earth. Hence, our praising and singing will provide a flavor of the Lord, Father sending the Son. If we use a prayer to turn the feeling of following the Lord to an atmosphere of worshiping the Father, the praising spirit will be stronger and we can then choose a hymn to express the spirit of praise and worship. Okay, I think this is good enough. Uh, it's just building up this sensibility and sensitivity in our praise and in our worship. Now, saints, uh, what time? 11.31, just give me uh, 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 two, three minutes. Yesterday afternoon, we have a special section, uh, session here, uh, but only about uh, one-third or two-fifths uh, two of the saints were here. And we spoke something concerning our commission in the Lord's recovery today. And to, uh, I just used two or three minutes just to, uh, I feel, to say something. Uh, brothers and sisters, today... The Lord's recovery does have a divine commission. And that commission uh, has to do with what the Lord has given to us. Uh, a commission uh, follows a vision. Wherever there's a vision, there is always a commission. God does not appear to man for nothing. He appears to man for a purpose. So commission follows a vision. Simply put, the Lord's recovery today, we have received the highest vision. According to his word, the vision of the eternal economy of God. Our vision is, plunges the depth of the Bible. Our vision reaches the high peak of the divine revelation, the truth that we have inherited and received is of the highest order. You have to trust me. The food, the riches, the nourishment, the light, and everything else, it is just, just amazing, amazing. We're gonna get into Leviticus, the second part, this summertime. I tell you, it's just, the word is just open to us. Now, brothers and sisters, 
now that we have given, been given so much, we have a commission. It's called our responsibility. The Lord's recovery in this country of USA, the top Christian country on the earth today, is top Christian, Christian country, but it is bereft of the truth. It is a, wild mile, a, a, a mile wide and about half inch deep. Superficial, shallow, it is the truth. We are not bad-mouthing anybody. I'm just burdened for my brothers and sisters everywhere. And even today in this country, there's still many sinners unsaved. They say they're Christian, but only nominally so. They really don't know the Lord as their life. All around us are people who need the Lord and who need to come to the full knowledge of the truth. So our responsibility is their salvation and to bring this truth to them. This is the unique commission of the Lord's recovery. And here we are in the Mid-Atlantic states. This is our commission for Virginia, for Maryland, for Delaware, for Pennsylvania, for all these states that we're in. We owe these states' population these things. We may not have that much money to give, but we do have something from the Lord that we cannot deny. And one day, the Lord will ask of us, because to whom more is given, more is required. What have you done with what I have given to you. So it's every brother and sister's responsibility in this room to preach the gospel, the full gospel of God, that men, Americans, will be saved. It is also our responsibility here to preach the truth, the deeper truth of the word of God, so that many seekers will find what come to the full knowledge. I speak about our dear brother Billy Graham again, whom I respect to the uttermost as an evangelist. But yet, at the same time, while he is saving souls, he has been actually passing on many things that are not the truth. I don't blame him because he did not study it. You know, at the end of his life, in his 80s, 90s, he did some interviews by ABC, by various, some uh, um, uh, uh, main, uh, mainstream, uh, 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 these outlets, and media outlets and so on. And he publicly said, and I heard him say in more than one occasion, he said, the question is, Billy Graham, Billy, if you do it all over again, what would you, what would you do? What? He said, amongst other things, he said, I would have preached less. Did you hear me? I would have traveled less, and I would have studied more. 
he was regretful at the end of his life. While he preached to millions and millions, his own knowledge of the word is weak. He realized that. I would have studied more, he said. I, I appreciate his honesty. I really do. So he can preach the basic gospel and some basic doctrines. But as to so many things that we see today, he did not know and he did not preach it. But he was faithful to what he was given and commissioned him. Brothers and sisters, today we see a lot more. We see a lot more. Now we need to be faithful to what the Lord has given to us. We need to preach this. We need to speak this. We need to give away these Bibles. That's why Bibles for America. We need to pass out the ministry. We need you to use all kinds of ways. And don't say that person in your community, he's not open. No, you don't know what's going on behind those doors. There's a broken marriage there. There is a deep seeking there. There is a dissatisfaction with what? Today's religious Christianity. There is a something that want to find a home. Right? And also a desire to know the deeper things of God. We have it. Let's go to them. Don't look at the faces. Don't just already write people off. I tell you, just some cherishing, just some patience, just some burden, visitation, talking, I tell you, there will be eventually an opening up. You don't need to be so quick to bring them to the meeting because it may stumble them or blow them away. You spend time with them at the coffee shop. You invite them to your home for dinner. You visit with them. You take patience, take time, but always praying for them at the same time, sharing with them the good word of the Lord Amen. with the, some of these richer truth to enlighten them. All right? Shepherd them in this way. Brothers and sisters, this is what we should do. Every church should be doing this on a regular basis. GTCA should not be a, an event of two weeks once a year. Gospelizing, truthizing, and churchizing America should be our daily order. Amen? Amen? And I hope every saint would rise up and ask the Lord, Lord, give me one fruit a year. One fruit every two years. One fruit every three years. But Lord, I must bear the fruit for the growth and increase of your church, but even more so, even more so, so that I can discharge my duty, my commission that you have given to me. Amen. All right? Amen. I just want to say that. Okay, now, uh, we still have 15 minutes, and I still like to hear some response from you before we have the announcement. We'll end by noon.